Today's scripture is from Luke 4, 21-30, and I'm reading from the NRSV. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And he will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. I think we can all agree that change is hard. Amen? Change is difficult. It's especially difficult when one's particular way of life is seen as sacred and traditional and uh, endorsed by God and godly. And Jesus here in our story today is dealing with the strain that change has on those who have to do the changing. Particularly difficult for those who are doing the changing. Jesus in our text today continues in this story that we started last week actually uh, when he took the scroll of Isaiah 61 and he said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and to recover sight to the blind and let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and then Jesus rolled up the scroll sits down and this takes us to verse 21, which we picked up today, where Jesus says, Today in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled. And I imagine it was a little strange for this, you know, local boy made good coming back. You know, he'd, been, he'd gotten a reputation as a healer and a wisdom teacher and someone who does miraculous things and Probably that Sunday, uh, it was packed. Probably the parking lot was full at the synagogue on that Sunday because they heard Jesus was coming back to town. And, uh, uh, you know, folks decided to get up early 
and make it make their way to synagogue that day and the place was probably packed with people who were getting ready to see a miracle and to see just exactly who is this uh, this boy that we watched grow up come around there but it's about here when things start to go south they ask him to do some miraculous things perhaps and like he did in other towns and he begins to remind them uh, that in the days of old Elijah and Elisha did miracles but they didn't do them in Israel Elijah raised the dead but it was not a Hebrew child who was raised from the dead but a Sidonian Gentile territory over across the Jordan and it was not a Hebrew general that was cured of lef leprosy but a Syrian who was the mortal enemy of Israel at the time as recorded there in 2nd Kings this this general was brought to Elisha and Elisha wouldn't even let him in the door he, says, he told him go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River which he did but he kind of did it in a snit and then was cured of leprosy this was not a Hebrew general this was a Syrian the enemy and now we might look at this and think that Jesus is just not wanting his ministry to be all about the miracles and not wanting to have to do do tricks to get Jesus get everyone's attention right maybe he was thinking I, I shouldn't have to jump up and down in a pool to get everyone to listen <laughs> right or or things like that right There's <laughs> those kinds of things but what the people in the synagogue are hearing is that God is doing something new and grand but we are not the center of it these who had been faithful churchgoers who have lived a life with God were not the object of God's grace but the outsiders the marginalized the disenfranchised as he said in this text in Isaiah uh, the poor is who he came to proclaim good news to not to those good folks sitting in the synagogue and he had come to proclaim, re, proclaim release to the captives not to the ones sitting in the pews in the synagogue and he had come to ex, exclaim recovery of, of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free but he wasn't talking about the people sitting in the pews at that time and in that place he was talking about somewhere else is where he is anointed to take this message uh, these in other words it won't be the rest of the world that ultimately becomes like they are but it is that they must be transformed in order to join what God is doing out in the world and to be a part of the kingdom of God that Jesus is ushering in. Basically what he's telling him is it's not the rest of the world that needs to change. It's us that needs to change. And I know you want me to do something here 
And I know you think I should be bringing a message here, but really, you should be joining me out there. And what Jesus is dealing with is all of these unmet expectations and hope for what the day of the Lord was going to look like for them and what the Messiah might be for them. And, and I don't blame them, quite frankly. These were good, faithful people who had been doing what they were supposed to be doing and waiting patiently while Rome and the Jewish aristocracy ran amok. They felt like they had some comeuppance coming, really. But instead of the, the vengeance that is promised in the rest of Isaiah 61, which Jesus conveniently leaves out at the end there, instead of the vengeance that they thought they were going to get against everyone out there, what Jesus is saying is, I'm going out there to proclaim the good news to them. Well, I wasn't sitting well with them. They were expecting something good and savory. They were expecting to get their just desserts that they had been waiting for. They were expecting God's flan with caramel sauce on it. Or even better, maybe God's apple pie. But instead what they got was God's flaxseed muffin. Right? It's... It, it's good for you, but it's really hard to swallow. <laughs> right? That's kind of what, that's kind of what God, got. you know, they wanted something really good. <laughs> what they got was something that's really good for them, but it's a little hard to digest. <laughs> Even though it's good for you. So they were hoping for a scenario that moved them to the top end of the and to vanquish the enemies. You know, it's easier, it's easier to take these stories that Jesus tells that are confrontational like this one. This is Jesus kind of getting up in your face, right? It's easier when it's the Pharisees that Jesus is directing it toward, right? It's so much easier when He's talking about the Pharisees. Because you know what? We never see ourselves as the Pharisees, do we? <laughs> oh no. The Pharisees are like the bad guys, right? Oh yeah, oh the Pharisees. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees again. <laughs> I'm glad He's talking to them and not us. It's a little harder in a situ situation like this. Because here they are. These are, these are people who weren't particularly doing anything wrong, right? A faithful people, a committed people, a people who were sincere in their desire to see the day of the Lord. A people who, you know, worked hard on, uh, on the potlucks and did mission work and uh, did all the things that God expected them to do. And it's hard when we hear Jesus talk to this this wonderful synagogue to these, this church full of good people who watched him grow up. It's hard not to see ourselves in that congregation and hear these words come back to us. And the world is indeed changing and quickly. And like the good people of Jesus' home synagogue, we are being challenged by these changes 
and what they mean for us as a church. And I don't mean just First Baptist Church. I do mean First Baptist Church. But I mean the whole face of Christianity is in a renaissance, if you will. A reformation, even, right now. And, and we don't especially see it so much because we're right in the middle of it. But I guarantee you that 500 years from now, they're going to be writing about this time and the change that happened in Christianity. And, uh, and the good people of Jesus' synagogue experienced it, and we too are experiencing it. The implications are big and impact who we are and how we are. People are not becoming like us. There was a time in America when church could expect that people would come to the church and seek transformation as guided by the church. And they would come here to this beautiful space and they would conform to what we were doing. Boy, those were the good old days. <laughs> that just does not happen anymore. And there's reasons for that. And we could, you know, we could be nostalgic and pine away for those days. But that's tantamount to running Jesus off a cliff as far as I'm concerned. We can wax nostalgic about it all, but it's just not going to be that way. And it, we're sleeping in a bed that we've made ourselves. But that world is long gone. Folks are not coming here and saying, how can I conform to what you are doing? However, I'm not saying that we must become like the world either. That certainly is not what we are called to do. We are a kingdom of God community, amen? We are called to live differently, to live transcendently, to live in... We are citizens of heaven, amen? We are ambassadors in this strange world in this hurt and broken world we live in. And so in many ways we don't belong out there in the world. But what it does mean is that there is a more nuanced relationship within the church. One that makes room for the interplay between tradition and the emerging way of being a community of faith. And the changes we face are changes not just in style, I mean, you know, yeah, the music changes every few year, decades, you know, and the, the style of worship changes all the time, you know, the way people do things, that changes. But that's just stylistic. I don't think much of that really has to do. But we're talking about substantive changes and what it means to be a community of faith and how people find themselves to be a part of us. And where do these changes come from? Where are the pressures that, that make these changes happen? Well, some would say society, but I don't. I say these changes have come from Christ. I personally think this is actually this is good news. <laughs> because the, the evolution that the Christian church is going through is one that has, is going to call us back to our roots. It is one that is going to call us back to what a genuine and authentic faith looks like. It's one that is going to call us back 
to the beautiful, wonderful words of life and what they truly mean for a people today. Not, not what they've been skewed to mean, but what they truly mean for a people of faith in the world we live in. In other words, I think this time will sharpen us as followers of Christ. Amen? And it will teach us a new way of engaging the world with that, that old, old story that we sing about in our hymns. I love, and, and finding new ways to love to tell the story and to engage the world we live in. But it's nuanced. And it's relational. It's not people coming and being like us. But it's us being in constant conversation and communion with the world we live in around us. So God, through Christ, calls us to make changes in order to make room for those who need the Spirit of God most. Not only that, but God calls us to make changes so that we might be transformed by the Spirit of people we don't even know yet. Years ago, the idea that that somehow when we go and serve soup to someone who doesn't go to church, that somehow their spirit transforms us and we see Christ in their face. Somehow that got lost. But I believe that's what we're called to now. How do we serve someone's soup and exclaim, My Lord and my God, as we look into their eyes and see our Savior looking back at us. That's the nuance we find ourselves in where it is not us and them, but it is us and them together. The body of Christ is not the body of Christ until we can figure out how it embraces everybody. We're missing feet. We're missing arms. We're missing fingers. We're missing eyes. Until somehow we can figure out the nuanced relationship and connection that we sitting in these pews have with those who are out there. Jesus' church did not like these changes did not like the notion of going to the poor and the captive and the disenfranchised and the oppressed. They didn't like having to be healed of their blindness in order that they might see. In fact, they rejected His ideas in the most violent way. One of the reasons this church has been a part of Salt Lake City for so long is because that when the Spirit of God was upon this church, amen, we moved. <laughs> we said yes. We took on the anointing and we proclaimed the message God had laid in our laps. This church has changed in order to tell the story in a way that was compelling, in a way that invited new life and transformation. But change is hard. Amen?
we can acknowledge that change is hard. But when we keep our focus on that which is most important to Christ, when we heed the message Jesus gives us and respond to the call to be the kingdom of God, not just here and not just in a way we always have been, we will be blessed as we are transformed. And that's not to say that we are not building on tradition. And that's not to say that we just throw everything out and start from scratch. And it's not to say that, that what feeds us will not feed others. But what it is to say is that there are people who are hungry out there. And if they can't, they can't be sustained on what sustains us, we better find a new recipe. I'm going with this analogy here. We better find a new recipe. <laughs> if, they're, if they're intolerant of our gluten, <laughs> we better go gluten-free. <laughs> because what, what God is mixing together is so good. It tastes so good. And it's good for you. Which <laughs> is a rare combination. God has called us to evolve so that we might be the church that Jesus Christ meant us to be. Amen? Thank God we have each other as we go through this very tumultuous time. Thank God we have this place. Amen? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we acknowledge, like in the time of Christ, You are doing new things that challenge us who have known such joy and comfort and transformation in our old ways. Help us hold on to that which is so central and let go of that which does not feed Your people anymore. May we be lifelong learners those who are forever being transformed and recreated that we might serve You be the body of Christ. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.